friends, and welcome to episode 705 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's program, Grace is with me. She is a shining light on the Facebook page, and her episode is a great look into what a diagnosis can look like when the doctors aren't quite sure what's happening. So we're going to hear Grace's story, and at the end, I'm going to tell you what Grace just told me the other day. So this is many months after it's been recorded, and Grace has some answers. I'll share with you what she's learned. Also, Grace has a really weird job, in my opinion, and somehow it's oddly connected to an episode a couple of days ago, but not really. Anyway, you'll see. While you're listening today, remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan, becoming bold with insulin, or doing what Grace does for a living. Oh, where do you find out? This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, and Dexcom makes the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. You may be eligible for a free 10-day trial of the G6, and you can find out at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Today's episode is also sponsored by InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. Would you like an insulin pen that does more than regular insulin pens? Well, if you do, then you want the InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. InPenToday.com. That's where you go to find out more. Don't forget to take that survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. All you have to be is a U.S. resident who has type 1 or is the caregiver of someone with type 1. Ten minutes later, you'll be done with the survey, and you will have helped people with type 1 diabetes and supported the Juice Box podcast. Hi, I'm Grace, and I'm a type 2 diabetic, as far as I know. And I'm an adopted mom, colon hydrotherapist, and I'm here to talk about poop. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only excited because no one's ever started off an episode like that. So. <laughs> well, let's let's figure out a few things first. How old are you? 58. What do you mean you think you're type 2? Well, I'm not making um what's the word I want to say? I'm I'm not making very much insulin. Okay. So, I'm at the low end of a C peptide. So they, and so you've had a C peptide test. Yes. And it was like 1.2, 1.12, 1. something like that. But um, I don't know if I'm Modi or not. I did do, I paid for it myself because my endo didn't want to, um, she didn't see any point in me taking an antibody test. So I went and paid for that myself and I do not have the antibodies. Um and then I tried to look into Modi testing, and from what I could see, it's like twenty five hundred dollars. And so I'm I, I'm already confused. Hold on a second. So your doctor wouldn't just send you for a test? No, even, she didn't see any point. She's like, you either need insulin or you don't. 
Oh. And I think that they're just, you know, I'm older. I've had it for a while. So I think she's just, you know, in her head, she's pretty clear that that's what I am. Mm-hmm. A low level of C-peptide can mean your body isn't making enough insulin. It may be a sign of one of the following conditions, type 1 diabetes, Addison's disease, liver disease. A high level of C-peptide can mean your body is making too much insulin. It may be a sign of type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance, Cushing syndrome, or a tumor on your pancreas. And where was yours at? Uh, 1.12, I believe. It's right at the low end. At the low end. Yeah, because I think like a 0.8 is type 1 from a, the test range that I had. Oh, yeah. I'm looking. I'm trying to find that right now uh, to see. Okay, so you took the test, had a low range, but doesn't that more indicate type 1 than type 2? I mean, from what I would we think, just read? I would think. <laughs> All right. Hold on a second. Um, minus 80 threshold of stimulated blood. Oh, I don't understand all this enough to talk about it. Threshold of fasting blood shoot. Moody should be considered above 80 and below 250. Type 2 diabetes over 250 under 80 type 1. Moody unlikely under 80. And what was yours again? Uh 1.12. Okay. So Inter- intermediate insulin secretion is that level, if I'm reading this correctly. Hold on a second. No, wait. All right, so hold on. We have to start over. 1.12, <laughs> is that, were you fasting? Um, I don't think so. I don't, I don't really recall. Mm, okay, so if you're not fasting, it changes under 0.2 type 1. I think I'm reading this right. This is this is why this is all so confusing. And your doctor won't help you figure out more whether you're type two or moody. And he, the doctor, just says it doesn't matter. Yeah, there's just basically, if you need insulin, you need insulin. So what the deal was is that for the last couple of years, because I was diagnosed like 30 years ago with type two. So for the last couple of years, I was at the point where I could only eat once a day without my sugars going into the four and five hundreds. Okay. So I was eating once a day and trying to restrict my food to keep myself from having to go to the ER. Jeez. And so the last endo never tested, even never even did a C peptide. And so oh, <laughs> she, at least she did. And that's why I got put on insulin. Okay. So you're for you, you're being treated as a type two, you're using insulin mm-hmm. at meals and you're wearing a pump, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So you're, so you're, what's your basal rate? Um, I've got four of them and hang on. I will tell you. Okay. One moment, please. Um, I'm from midnight to 6 a.m. I'm 1.9 and from 6 a.m. to noon, I'm 1.3, 12 to 4, I'm 0.5 and then 4 to midnight, I'm 0.8. Hmm. Four to midnight. Interesting. 
It's very interesting. I don't know why it's interesting, but I'm incredibly interested by it. So I, because I've never spoken to a type two who uses an insulin pump before. Well, isn't that interesting? It is. I'm you know what, can I tell you how I got the pump? I mean, did you buy it legally? I hope. Oh yeah, I did. Oh, okay, but then, sure. I didn't even know what a pump was, what it did, how it would be beneficial. And I started listening to the podcast and you're like, you know, omnipod.com slash juice box or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I just did that. And then the next time I went to my doctor, she's like, I got your insulin pump. Like they sent me the demo and I was like, I don't know if I want this or not or whatever, but Omnipod in my case, like when I filled out the information, got in touch with my doctor, it all went through my insurance. Everything was approved. I went into a follow-up with my doctor and she said, well, your pump's ready. I'm calling it in. And I'm like, I didn't even know I was going to do it. That's how magical <laughs> my link is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and you could have said, I mean, I'm assuming at that point you could have just said, I really don't want this if you didn't want it. And that would have been fine too. Yeah. But yeah. it was intriguing, you know, cause yeah. I had been listening to podcasts for a while. So you want to give it a shot. Yeah. All right. So you, I'm sorry. Tell me again, how long have you had type two? I was diagnosed to the best of my recollection, I was diagnosed in my early 30s and the year after the Oklahoma City bombing. I was in that. And so I don't know if like the trauma from that had anything to do with it. I gained 100 pounds in the year after the bombing. And I was diagnosed at the same time with type 2 and hypothyroid. Were you incredibly impacted by the bombing? Yeah, I was. Um, I was not in the Murrah building, but I was like as the crow flies a block away. Okay. Did you have, would you consider you had like traumatic impact from it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got gotcha. you. Well, that would be something, wouldn't it? But you yeah. also found out you had hypothyroidism. Where Was that then being treated? Um, no, I found out at the same time that I was diabetic and had hypothyroid. But did they give you a thyroid medication? Yeah. How how well did that treatment go? Did you have um, results that were <laughs> reduced your your um? No, no, that was a kind of like your wife. That was um, a many year long fight, and I don't feel that I was. So I'm 58 now, and that's when I was 32-ish. Um, and I want to say that my thyroid was not optimized until probably around 2017. Wow, because I just looked up. That bombing happened in 95. Mm-hmm. So it took 22 years to get your thyroid straight? Mm-hmm. Have you considered going to different doctors? <laughs> I have been to different doctors. This is probably my third or fourth endo interesting yeah interesting the endos handling the thyroid uh, yeah now well they they have been yeah okay and do you, is your tsh lower now what is it now do you know mm, i could look it up i want to say it's probably around a one or a two but there's a big difference i was like considered myself a thyroid patient advocate for a lot of years because i was so angry about all of it um but uh i want to say it's between a one and a two but there's a definite difference when 
like being in range obviously doesn't mean anything, but when you feel optimized, mm-hmm. you, you can, you can feel it. Yeah. Do you have any hot or cold tolerance problems? Mm, not really. I have like a little bit of cold tolerance, but it's not from the thyroid because I have neuropathy in my legs. Oh, okay. So I have it from that. Gotcha. When did you start managing with insulin? Just recently? Um, a year ago. Wow. I think it was on November 13th of last year. How long have you been listening to the podcast? Since about that time. Right. Okay. So the podcast made sense to you and you started changing things or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Somebody, I was in a different Facebook group and somebody just mentioned Juice Box podcast as I was like scrolling through, I saw it. And I was like, I was one of those people that like, how do I even listen to a podcast? Like, where is that? How do I get it? You know? And I figured it out and been listening pretty much since the beginning of, since I started being on insulin. I think it's pretty impressive that you learned how to listen to a podcast, considering before we started recording, you didn't think to turn up the volume when you couldn't hear me. (laughs) I know. It's a a pretty impressive story now that you you put it It in contact like that. Yeah. Well, okay. Oh my gosh. So, so prior to a year ago, what was your A1C? I've had the the ones that I can remember. I'm so mad because we just moved a year ago and my old, I keep everything, not, not like a hoarder, but I have this one box that has all my taxes in it from the first time I ever started working when I was 18, <laughs> all my lab results from the first time that I can remember collecting lab results and that got thrown away. So it, um, that was a little frustrating, but from what I can remember, um, I had A1Cs that were like six, five. This is in the last five years, six, five, seven, five, eight, five, 10, four, when I was diagnosed, but back in the two thousands, early two thousands, I can remember um, when I was a, allowed to test my blood sugar, <laughs> that it was in the three and four hundreds. Does it, does it sound like to, to me, I mean, does it? It sounds like to me, I'm wondering if you think the same, like over the last five years, things were progressively deteriorating. Things were progressively deteriorating. And I don't know if this has anything to do with it or not. I've been kind of researching. Um, But in 2013, my husband at the time committed suicide. And so after that experience, I started. experiencing a lot of things the the thirst like really intense muscle cramps and i you know i didn't really think anything about it at the time but looking back now i feel like that was like probably a hit to my body as well so i don't know do you have any other autoimmune issues um no, and I really don't know a whole lot about my family. My sister had thyroid issues. Um, she had nodules, and she had half of her thyroid, one side of her thyroid removed when she was 18, and the other half of the other side removed when she was 21. Mm-hmm. And other than that, the only thing in my family that I'm aware of that may possibly be autoimmune is that there is Alzheimer's on my mom's side. Okay. But you think that two big traumatic events might have kicked two of your problems in? 
Maybe. Maybe. Or at least the timing anecdotally lines up. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't, do you think you have type 2 diabetes? I really don't know. I find it odd. I'm, it's not a common thing that I'm aware of, and I haven't really looked into it that much, that people like get type 2 and then their pancreas is burnout and they need to be on insulin because a lot of times from what I'm reading is that they're so insulin resistant and they're making a lot of mm-hmm. their body's producing a lot of insulin, but they can't use it. And so they get on insulin, but that's not the case with me. Yeah. Yours is confusing. I'm hoping that by being on, somebody might hear this and and reach out to you. Yeah. Every doctor says I'm a complicated case. So. Yeah. That sounds to me like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think somebody who understood it wouldn't find it complicated at all. Yeah. You still and, in Oklahoma? Oh, no. I just talk like I am. <laughs> I'm from California, and I was in Oklahoma for 24 years, and now I'm in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. No kidding. A. (laughs) My brother's here right now. He just flew here from Wisconsin like 36 hours ago. Did he bring you a deer? He he did not bring anything. He flies very light. And a line in kugels? He's a boy. He flies very light. (laughs) He barely comes with the clothes he's wearing. Um, Okay. Why did you want to be on the podcast? Um, Well, I wanted to talk about what I never hear other people talk about, which is what I refer to as the other side of gastroparesis, because when you have slow motility and you have trouble eating and what have you, um, for many people that also translate to slow transit of the colon, and then people have trouble going to the bathroom. So you have gastroparesis? Mm-hmm. How long have you had that? Um, I was diagnosed with that in 2004. How did it present? It presented where all of a sudden I could not eat and I started throwing up anything that I ate. Um, and it was to a point where even if I tried to just like eat yogurt, and nothing else. Like I was trying to find, like, was there one food that I could eat that I wouldn't throw up? And even if I tried to eat a little bit of yogurt or whatever, um, I would just throw up everything I ate. Okay. Uh, top line gastroparesis is also called delayed gastric emptying. Mm-hmm. It's a medical disorder consisting of weak muscular contractions of the stomach, resulting in food and liquid remaining in the stomach for a prolonged period of time. Stomach contents thus exit more slowly into the duodenum of the digestive tract. Anyone who just heard me say duodenum correctly, again, <laughs> you're going to want to thank Grey's Anatomy. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just know how to say it. Uh, and and that happens to people with diabetes because of, it's like neuropathy almost, uh-huh. right? just happening in your stomach. Yeah, of the vagus nerve, yeah. Okay. Did you manage your type two at all for the years prior to all of this? How did you well, take care of it? Here's the deal is that like a lot of people I hear on the podcast, I didn't get any information. Like somebody gave me a picture of a plate. Like I think this was right around the same time that they very first came out with nutrition labels on food. Mm-hmm. And so 
they were big about the quote unquote, the plate of food and, you know, just the same picture that they still show today um, that looks like, you know, a five-year-old could understand it. Right. And uh, so that's about all the information that I got. And I did get test strips and stuff on occasion, but there's for type two, in my case, there was no quote unquote management. It was, you have diabetes, take a pill. And to me, it'd be like the same thing. Like you have hypothyroid, take a pill, or you have high blood pressure, take a pill. And that's that there's, there was no focus on what your blood sugar doing. Um, how often are you getting high? Whatever. It was just like, you know, eat right and exercise and take this pill. And, and that's that. I see. How long did you do that for? Good Lord, the math. Um, you mean like decades? Yeah, like three. Okay. Yeah. And when you say eat right, what did that mean to you? Um, I just try to eat, quote unquote, healthy, normal, get your vegetables in, normal, just regular everyday stuff. I'm trying to figure out what that means to most people. Like if um, if I said to you, get your vegetables in. And then you said, oh, I can eat Brussels sprouts if I sprinkle uh, uh, brown sugar on top of them. Uh, then, you know, like that's how some people think of vegetables sometimes. Like they load them up with, they just make them delivery systems for other stuff. And it has, it's been, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I, well, I, what I was going to say is it's, it's a very similar thing to when people talk about their blood sugar ranges. And they'll say, well, mm-hmm. I, got, I got low, so I ate something. And they think that their interpretation of low is everyone's interpretation of low. And they believe that means that that's the correct interpretation as well. But I still hear people talking about how they treat their blood sugars at a hundred, you know, right. I, I, I was at a hundred and I needed to get it up. I'm like, Oh, I think you need to get it down still, but okay. Right. And, you, you know? And so there's this, this disconnect between what people mean and how they, present what they're saying you know i ate right. i ate well but if we kept talking would i find out that that meant that when you went to mcdonald's you got the chicken like do you know, <laughs> you, do you know what it, i mean well, at that time um possibly but it's my food has fluctuated so much over the years so when you're first diagnosed or when i was first diagnosed with diabetes like i never had to watch anything i did before ever mm-hmm. right so then you just kind of start learning and you know, be the best you can at certain times, whatever, try to quote unquote, eat whatever was healthy at the time, which has gone through different things. I mean, back then it was like a low fat thing, whatever. And so over the years, and and I don't really remember them coming back to me and telling me you need to try harder. You need to try harder. You need to try harder or anything like that. So you feel Pardon me? How did you feel physically? Did you feel okay? Or did you did you live a life where you felt like malaise and tired and stuff like that? Um, I feel like the malaise and tired thing, and uh, that might have been kind of the thyroid thing. Because it felt like there was a big onset, I felt really terrible. Like, I felt kind of normal. Mm-hmm. It right before the bombing and that year after like gaining a hundred pounds in a year and not knowing where it's coming from or why it's happening. That really sounds like your thyroid. 
Yeah, that, I'm you, sure that it was. Did you did you significantly change your activity or eating life? No. Yeah, then that, that sounds like the thyroid to me. Yeah, I wasn't doing anything any different. So obviously, a uh, hundred pounds on your frame makes you feel, you know, horrible in a lot of different Not ways. Not necessarily. Are you 15 feet tall? <laughs> no. no. Oh, well, then it probably wouldn't be good for you. Yeah. Um. Wow, that's crazy. I, I I don't think I've ever popped my lips before on the podcast, but I just did it just now. I went wow. <laughs> uh, wow. Have you lost the weight since then? Um, it's gone. It's gone back and forth. I've since then. I had lost 125 pounds. Um, and the last 50 of that was because I got sick and was throwing up my food. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. And then right after I lost that 125 pounds and I was down to like 125 and I got to keep that off for about three months. And I guess because of the weight loss and they were trying to figure out why I was throwing up and everything this before the gastroparesis diagnosis, they decided in their infinite wisdom that I had um, adrenal failure. Okay. Because I was losing my hair and stuff because I was losing the weight so fast. So they put me on cortisone pills and told me that I needed to stay on them for the rest of my life or I would die. But I didn't find out till two years later, I think it was, that the doctor never even did the proper test to determine that I had um, cortisone failure. And so I was taking it when I didn't need it. And that put 80 pounds on me, gave me drug induced Cushing syndrome and put 80 pounds on me within like six months. Mm. And that's, that's a hard deal to get off of. Yeah. Grace. That's so, yeah, that's not fun. Wow. Yeah. You have run into a number of doctors that haven't helped you along the way. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. Um, Okay. I wasn't the most compliant patient because of that for a long time. (laughs) Tell me about that. You mean, did you notice that they weren't valuable to you and then that didn't make you listen? Well, especially the thyroid doctors, because I felt like that was a big injury with the with the being on the cortisone and stuff. There was a whole host of problems that came along with that. And so when I would go to a new thyroid doctor um, and they didn't want to do like the full battery of tests or, or what have you, I was just like angry walking in the door, you know. Mm-hmm. No, ready I, to go out. I've, I've had doctors tell me if you're not going to take Synthroid um, and that's what I'm going to give you that I don't even want you as a patient. And so I've just like had to walk out the door before. And so, you know, it's a, it's a frustration. I try to tell people that that, that lovely woman that I had on to do the thyroid episode, Dr. Benito, she, she was awesome. She's a, she's a diamond and the, they're very hard to find. Uh, yes. Really, really difficult to find someone that can thoughtfully manage your thyroid levels. Not a not an easy not an easy lift finding people like that. I, I'm sorry because you, it sounds to me like you were just having thyroid issues and then they started dumping on like cortisol onto you, or, you know, cortisol right. onto you, and then that just made everything worse and and masked and, and they thought they were treating something, so probably everybody stopped looking at the real issue. Yeah. Yeah, and you didn't have the internet back then either. Nope. Right. Hmm. Jeez. Can you tell me something good? <laughs> <laughs> tell me something good. Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking to move this the other direction. Let's yeah. Talk. Um. Where do we want to go with this? You want to go back to um, 
Let's talk about the um, pooping thing. I was going to say, you mentioned poop. And I mean, we're mm-hmm. halfway done already. So like, yeah. what do you do for a living? I'm a colon hydrotherapist now. How, how do you get into that? And I don't mean the well, you get I into that. The- you get into that because you're sick. So what happened with me besides the, the throwing up the food and stuff, and I was on a predominantly liquid diet for, I want to say about a decade, um, just because I couldn't process solid food mm-hmm. very well. And so I had trouble passing food and in forums and stuff on the internet, people will talk about that, but it's not something people really want to talk about not being able to go. So what I kind of wanted to put out there for people um, is just my story and things that helped me. Cause I was at a point where the doctors were giving me a gallon of Marilax every Friday night to try to go. So it was like doing a colonoscopy prep every Friday night. Okay. And so I would go and then that stopped working. They've had me on a bunch of different laxatives that stopped working. They had me on some newer drugs, Linzess, Amatizum. My glucose is 123 and it's beeping at me. Um, and those didn't work. And the only way that I could get stuff out was like those old grandma, like red rubber enema bags. Uh-huh. I was doing, I go to work, come home, cook dinner, clean the house. And then I go to the bathroom and I would, they hold like one and a half, two quarts, something like that. And I was doing anywhere from one to 15 of those a night, every single night and succession trying to get something out of me. And my stomach would bloat up like eight inches. Like I'd have to bring different clothes to work to wear because I just couldn't get stuff out. And so that was a weird way to live. And they wanted to, when they diagnosed me with gastroparesis and I couldn't go to the bathroom, um, it had got to the point where they wanted to give me a feeding tube and an ostomy bag. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to go that route. The ostomy bag really scared me. And so I just decided to go, I was like, if I can't eat, then I can't eat. And I'll just like try to get nutrition any way I can. And so I'll just like make my own juice and just juice and just be on a liquid diet and live like that. And I did that for a couple of months and uh, that changed a lot of things in a positive manner for me, but it did not help me go to the bathroom. And um, so it wasn't until like 2017 that I tried colon hydrotherapy and that worked and I did quite a few sessions of that and what that did for me. Cause the last, the last five years from like, let's see, 2012 to 2017, it had got to the point where I never even had an urge to go anymore. It was just completely a- absent. And so I started doing colon hydrotherapy just out of desperation, which is basically kind of like a half hour enema. And after I did a number of those, probably like seven of them in a fairly quick order, um, it like kicked in the peristalsis in my colon and I started going to the bathroom every day. Hmm. All right. So hold on one second. How does this work now in my cartoonish mind? We, we just pump the water in my mouth and then it just blows out the other side. I'm sure that's not what happens. So the, mm-hmm. water, the water goes in your butt. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. How, much, Absolutely. how much water in your butt? Um, it can be up to 
12 gallons. That being said, it doesn't all go in at once. It's a process. Like if I did an enema with um, just one of those bags, that only gets like your rectum. And so with colon hydrotherapy, it goes in your rear end and it goes throughout the entire large intestine and it just cleans everything out. It evacuates everything out of there. Hmm. So this is not much different than if your ear is clogged and they get water behind your ear and fill up your canal and then it pops out the wax. Mm-hmm. Got it. Are there any um, reasons why a person wouldn't want to do this? Is it dangerous? Um, not dangerous per se. There's some contraindications for it. People with diverticulitis, um, people that have had any recent surgeries, people with um, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. So anything that's going wrong back there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, yeah. Okay. And you don't want to blow out your butt. Like you don't don't want to tear. (laughs) Right. Right. Or if there's, you know, any kind of bleeding or infection or anything in there, you don't, you know, like you want to have a healthy colon because I don't know. And I I don't know if that spreads it around or, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? But yeah. How do you figure that out before you fill her up? If you're using insulin, knowing what your blood sugar is doing is monumental. Is it going up? Is it going down? How fast is it doing that? Maybe it's steady? Is it 96 or 150? Is it 210 or 183? Well, you don't want to check all the time with a meter. And even if you did, even if you had a great meter like the Contour X1, that meter just gives you a look into a moment, right? I tested my blood sugar at 9 p.m. and it was 140. Great. That's good news. I know my blood sugar is 140. But is it moving? How fast is it moving? Dexcom can tell you that with the Dexcom G6. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Use my link. And you may be eligible for a free 10-day trial of the Dexcom G6. You can find out what I'm talking about. How great it is to know the speed, direction, and number of your blood sugar at a glance. I will pick up my phone right now. It's an iPhone, but you could do this with an Android as well. I see my daughter's blood sugar is 130 at the moment. It's very steady, actually. We just did a pump change recently. And we're just kind of bringing her blood sugar back down. You know how after a pump change, you might need a little more insulin here and there. Anyway, you know about that. Point is, we're watching it right now. We're making boluses that are thoughtful, and we're moving our blood sugar back to where we want it. This is all made much easier, in my opinion, by the Dexcom G6. Again, Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. You will not regret checking out the Dexcom. I'm going to head right now to inpentoday.com. I-N-P-E-N-T-O-D-A-Y. The microphone's blocking my keyboard. Dot com. Inpentoday.com. Oh, look at that. Here's the website. Nice graphics. Little video running. Very nice. Here's what you get with InPen. You get an insulin pen. That's what you need, right? If you don't want a pump and you want an insulin pen, wouldn't it be nice if it did some things for you? Not just a little jabby thing with insulin in it, but had some other stuff, like how about if it had a dosing calculator or carb counting support, a digital logbook, or the ability to remind you when you needed a dose of insulin? A dose reminder, you say? 
That sounds wonderful. How could an insulin pen do that, Scott? Well, that pen, that said insulin pen, the in-pen, connects to an app on your smartphone. Oh, wait a minute. Technology, you say? That's correct. That app gives you a look at your current glucose level. Dosing calculator, active insulin remaining, glucose history, reports, activity log, dose history, meal history, and of course, we just said current glucose, all right there on one screen, connected to your insulin pen. Now you're interested. I hear it in your voice. Yes, I hear your voice in my head. No, I'm just kidding. I don't hear you. Anyway, hey, listen, here's a little offer that InPen has. Now, this is um, only available to people with commercial insurance. Of course, terms and conditions apply, but you may pay as little as $35 for an InPen because Medtronic Diabetes doesn't want cost to be a roadblock to you getting the therapy you need. And with InPen's access program, you may pay as little as $35. InPenToday.com. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Dexcom, InPen, and all the sponsors. InPen requires a prescription and settings from your healthcare provider. You must use proper settings and follow the instructions as directed, or you could experience high or low glucose levels. For more safety information, visit InPenToday.com. For myself or other people? No, I'm just talking about you. Yeah, I don't know how other people oh, do things. okay. Like, did you go to a doctor and say, hey, I'm thinking of blasting my butt full of water and I want to know if it's okay? No, that was just kind of like, that was kind of like an internet thing and just meeting other people who had had success with it. Yeah. I see. Okay. All right. So you did it and not only did it help, it helped. I mean, cause it was probably very relieving to get everything out. I would imagine. Yeah. And then you started going more regularly on your own. Yeah. I didn't go for pre- predominantly. I like, I might have an urge once a month to go for like the first I don't know, seven years or so. And then like the last five years, I didn't have any urge at all. And then I did this several times and then I was able to start going on a daily basis. I didn't always completely empty, but at least I got stuff out. Yeah. And I didn't find out until this year when I moved to Wisconsin that um, I've had several operations for endometriosis. And evidently there's a thing that they can do. My doctor, my gastro referred me to it. It's called visceral mobilization. Mm -hmm. And that is where they just feel on your stomach and they press down. It's a form of massage and they could feel adhesions. And I had severe abdominal adhesions. I've had five abdominal operations. So all of my insides are also besides the gastroparesis, all of my insides are stuck to each other. So it's kind of like if you went in your gut and like somebody put a spider in your gut and it weaved a web over everything. So stuff couldn't move. Can they fix that? Well, they're supposed to be able to fix it. Like they go in and they break it up. They just press on where they feel the tightness and they release those adhesions. And I was like, Ooh, am I going to bleed internally? Or like what's happening? If you're, I call him the gut ripper, if you're ripping stuff up inside of me. And he said, there's not very much blood tissue and that kind of stuff. And he said, it's kind of like if you took scotch tape and wrapped it around your hands with a sticky side out and then rubbed it on the carpet and then try to stick the tape back together. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately for me, um, 
they also told me, I just found this out, that endometriosis doesn't necessarily stop when you get all your women parts cut out, which mm. I had done. You had a hysterectomy? And, oh, yeah. Okay. When I was 32. Um, so I guess that can still keep growing regardless. So for me, instead of being able to get the massage done and get the adhesions tore out, I have to do it for maintenance. And that made a that also made a huge difference in being able to go to the bathroom. And your, I have your belly massage. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. It's done by a doctor. It's done by a physical therapist. My physical my, therapist. Okay. my gastroenterologist referred me for it. Does it hurt while they're doing it? Yeah. Heck <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's not really bad. It's not anything that like lays you out or stops your stops you from doing your daily business or whatever it kind of feels like after you're done sore like if you had done a like a hard hardcore workout mm -hmm. like core workout do you have to go to the bathroom right after he's finished no no okay no but after he started ripping stuff apart in there where everything was stuck together um i was able to go from like once a day to sometimes three or four times a day interesting how often do you do the massage I still have to get it probably once a week, once every two weeks, just because I'm kind of messed up inside. So does your insurance company send you hate mail? <laughs> well, my insurance company, this is interesting. So I happen, I still got stuff growing in me and causing these adhesions, endometriosis or whatever is still growing in there and causing issues. And so insurance wants you to get better. They want you to progress or they, if you don't progress, then they don't want to continue covering your treatment. So right. I had to go outside the insurance and I have to pay cash to get this done because the insurance will not allow me to do it for maintenance. Oh, well, yeah. So it's just, you know, it is what it is. Hmm. Jesus. Why would, uh, well, no, let's not get into that. <laughs> I don't know. Why do they sometimes cover some insulins and not? And what, you know what I mean? It's just. Endometriosis is interesting because it is like an inflammation condition, but it's not characterized as autoimmune. No. Yeah. And I looked that. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Nothing with me is autoimmune. They all say I'm a complicated case. Yeah. That doesn't seem comforting at all. Um, hmm. Grace, you've taken me a number of different directions. <laughs> now <laughs> it's causing me not to be able to uh find my my uh my north here my compass is just spinning in circles um <laughs> are you okay yeah generally speaking, i'm really good you think of yourself as being well well as well as i you know it is what it is but um yeah for the most part i will tell you you know and i've i've mentioned this probably on the facebook group before but i've had such a weird thing from all the different doctors and so many different things that the doctors didn't know what to do with or whatever. And I went through a period of time where I really didn't like have any hope about things mm -hmm. and my quality of life was kind of down and the podcast from everything I've been through in like the last 30 years was the, the only thing that gave me not only hope but like tangible hands-on experience that actually made a difference mm, i'm glad yeah 
it was huge. Cause I was like, once they told me the, the diabetes thing with the insulin thing, I was like, no, I don't want nothing else. I can't hang in the, you know, yeah. <laughs> We're good. And, and, yeah. yeah and, and now it's not like that big of a deal. Well, your A1C, so you you came into the group like a wrecking ball, like in a mm-hmm. like a delightful, sparkly wrecking ball. You were just like, I'm here. I love this podcast. Like you were very super excited. I, I appreciate it, actually. Um, and so you're just saying that you got management tools from the podcast, right? At first. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was a big change for you, a big difference. It was huge change because I didn't, anytime I had hope in the past for something, there was never any resolution. There was never any like how to go forward, how to find somebody to help me or how to help myself. You know, it was just like a bunch of roadblocks and dead ends and and, until the podcast. Okay. Cause I really didn't know how I was going to deal with the insulin. Cause in other groups I had run across things where people were just, it was fear based, you know, and the advice you get was fear based things like don't ever drive a car if you're under a hundred or, you know, it just craziness. And then I found you and I found the Facebook group and it just, it really helped. I mean, my last one was a 6.0 and was it really? Yeah. So I started out 10.4 a year ago and then I was a 6.0. I had got down to a seven, I think it was on MDI. And then I switched to the pump and um, the pump. (laughs) You got the <laughs> to, to the Omnipod, and um, it's. Well, I'm glad. I expect to be probably in the fives next time. And you're managing that well with gastroparesis too. Yeah, and I guess it's a. I guess it's a you know a combination because there's a gastroparesis and then there's the adhesions because the um, guy that did my massage he tells me things like and I didn't know any of this, that your stomach has to turn like a quarter of a turn every so often to digest your food. And my stomach was attached to my rib cage and attached to my diaphragm. So it couldn't move at all. So that has, so there's like a complication between, you know, and then all the rest of my organs are like that too. So So you definitely have gastroparesis, but additionally, the endometriosis mm-hmm. and the scarring is making things worse. Yeah. Got it. Jesus. Is there any Oh, that's a stupid question, Scott. Never mind. I've never stopped myself stu- like that. I love the stupid question. No, no, it's such a bad question. I'm not gonna ask it. Um, I know the answer already, and so does everybody else. I just I don't even know why it popped in my head. Um Okay, so I can eat, I can eat. I've been able to eat better since I've been getting the colonics and eating better since um, the um, visceral mobilization massage. So it's made not only has it made a difference in the output, but it's I'm not on a predominantly liquid diet anymore. Yeah, so you're eating solids, but you're mm-hmm. st- but you're still using the colonics to make sure you're, that you're clear. Yep. And you give them to yourself, right? Well, you- I can now. Yeah, because now job. that. Now that I'm doing it for a, a living, you know, it was, it was, this is how it can be for some people. So if you're like, if you can't go at all and nobody can help you and it's severe enough that you have to get it done, you know, you, I'm talking about myself. Um, if I was having a really bad flare up and things weren't moving, it could cost me anywhere from four to seven hundred dollars a month to go to the bathroom so it was more than my mortgage oh my gosh so 
Um, that's why I, and I had an opportunity to buy a business. So I did. So I have to ask you a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. They're going to be yeah. so silly, but I need to know these things. Uh, <laughs> after we put the water in, does yeah. it come back out the tube? Well, the tube's really small, like the, the one I have. The tube's really small, the size of a pencil. So it just goes in and the water shoots in and then the waste and the water come out around it. All That happens all at the same time. To where? Um, it's like a giant reclining toilet. Okay. So it just goes down th- out the sewer. I'm going to Google hydrotherapy chair, right? Is that what I want to do? To see a picture? Google colon hydrotherapy open system. Colon hydrotherapy open system. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look at this. Hold on a second. <laughs> okay. Do people generally, are they super embarrassed the first time? Some people are. I get a lot of people that come in because they're um, they're having issues or they're severely impacted, and what they give them at the hospital doesn't work. So they come in to see me to you know get yeah. stuff out. So I have people that are excited to do it. I have people that are mortified. Um, you know, it just kind of runs the gamut. I have a lot of sick people, and then I have a lot of people that just are kind of. Um, for lack of, I don't know how to say this politically correctly, but they're like health freaks, right? Right. And I call them my little moon children. Like they like to come in and get it done when the moon is full and whatever, you know? So right. I listen, I don't question people. I've, I, but I have questions right. for you. What's the weirdest thing you've seen? It's a hemorrhoid, right? A huge one. What is the well, weirdest I don't, thing you've seen? I don't, the way that that chair is designed, I don't see people's parts. Wait. Like the one that I have. The one that I have is the nozzle is self-inserted. So somebody lays down on this, they insert their own nozzle and then they cover up with a drape and then I walk in. So I don't see any of that. There's another system where the nozzle is bigger and it has an intake and an outtake. And then you kind of turn on your side and that one, the person actually like inserts it into you and holds it in there the whole time. Mm -hmm. So there's, that's called a closed system, but I don't do, I don't have that one. So I don't, I don't see anything other than what's coming out. There's a clear tube that you can see what's coming out of you. How strong is the exhaust fan in the room? I mean, is it like a jet engine? Oh, there's no odor at all. Wait, stop it. There's no odor. How can there not be any odor? Doesn't the poo-poo come out? It does, but it's encased in water and it goes straight out and into the sewer. So there's no Ah, smell. Look at you. Yeah. You're poop adjacent. You're not really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's a strong title for this episode. (laughs) It really is. Um, Oh, I just thought for certain your most of your day was spent going. "Ah, ah, ah," But no, (laughs) not not, not like that at all. (laughs) No, it's just like. Like, it's just like being on a big recliner. Like if you were just going to sit back and hang out on your phone and just relax, it's kind of like what it is, except for there's stuff going on. How long does it take the process? How do you know when you're done? I guess clear water. Um, Yeah, pretty much clear water. It goes by time. It's like on the average, it's like 35 minutes and you can kind of see when it gets to the end because it'll change from 
like stool into little pieces of food, like where the small intestine releases mm-hmm. um, its food into the large colon. It's like little pieces of food because it hasn't turned into poop yet. And then the water can change color on some people to um, like, instead of brown, it'll be yellow green or kind of a yellowish green. And that's like the digestive enzymes in the bile that are fed through with the food. And um, so what was my next question? Has anything ever come out that surprised you? Matchbox car. Um, there are next- stories. Now I haven't personally seen this, mm-hmm. but there are stories. So the, the gentleman that, that invented the device that I use um, told a story of two different people in their forties and that one of them passed a Barbie shoe and one passed a Lego that they ate when they were kids. So I don't know where that would stick in you. And like, why wouldn't that show up in a colonoscopy or something unless they never had one, but that's that that's the only stories that I've heard. All right. No chunks or anything. I'm so sorry for people who are listening. (laughs) Nothing other than what would regularly come out. Right. Nothing that comes out where you're like, wow, nothing like that. No. Okay. It's just pretty normal. I got you. What if, I, I know you're not a physician doing this, right? Like so. Oh, abs- no, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. What if, like, you see blood? Do you tell them, like, "Hey, I saw blood"? Um, if if I did, I would I would stop it and refer them to their doctor. But I never have. Like, they have to fill out a questionnaire and all of that. And as far as they know, they have to be, you know, healthy and not have any contracations. Insurance doesn't cover this as a cash business. Hmm. And it's yeah. is, is it going well for you? Or are you like? Like, are you like, wow, I'm glad I started this. Like not only for your own personal like sanity, but like financially, is it going well? It's okay. I just do it part-time. And if I did it full-time, maybe it'd be better, but it's fine. It's not out of your garage though, right? Mm -mm. No, that'd be hilarious, by the way, if you were like. (laughs) You just made me snort. Um, They kind of do that sometimes in Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, I've had some people in Michigan tell me there's this thing called a Woods Method, and people get like a five-gallon bucket, like from Menards, and put it on a big piece of board, and then the people lay like kind of on a massage table, and there's like an enema tube, and they just do it like like that. And the, like my device is FDA cleared, but um, you know there's standards we have to adhere to and stuff. But I guess people get desperate, or people just do things on their own sometimes, and so. Grace. That's a thing. The Woods method. You could look that up. I'm not drawn to do this very frequently, <laughs> but nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always exactly. consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or sticking anything in your butt. I think that's really important to say. I think you're going to be the first one that gets a different. Um, I'm going to have to say butt in your disclaimer when I when I edit this show. <laughs> yeah i listen i want to say this right now i don't know if any of this is a good idea okay and uh, grace is lovely but she could also be a kook i have no idea right grace well yeah i could absolutely be a kook maybe yeah. i am yeah i'm just saying i'm not telling you to put water in your butt but <laughs> grace is just telling you what helped her right yeah, yeah that's all i just need to be clear about that because it sounds insane and at the same time i can understand how it might be valuable except you it really is a you're in it's for when you're in a situation where you just don't have another answer. It's not like you can just keep ignoring it till your stomach explodes, right? You have to do something. So Right. Well, you're either doing it yourself. I mean, you know, if you get to a certain point, you're either doing it yourself or seeking out somebody to do it for you. Yeah. Wow. Cuz it has to it has to go somewhere. And 
you're not going to hear a lot of people talk about this, but I, I, I guarantee you it, it, it's a, it's a thing that people do more than I think. It's, it's a thing that people suffer with not being able to go wow. that nobody talks about. Yeah. That's and, terrible. and it's, it's kind of a mortifying thing. Like, even if you're not like at a place to get it done, but if, even if you're at home alone doing it, there's nothing more, motor, more, more mortifying than like trying to get stuff out of you because you can't. Like, there's no shame after you deal with that for a long period of time. All right, Grace, you're going to get me to say something here that, uh, all right, hold on. <laughs> let me let me get myself ready for this. Metamucil has changed my life in the last couple of years. Yeah. Okay. But it can't just be me because there's a Metamucil shortage right now. Well, and, and I will tell you that sometimes that works. And in some people that are impacted. Probably makes it worse. Um, yeah, it can make it worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah if yeah. things aren't moving and then you put something in there like that, it, it can make it worse. And I've gone and flexed from both of them. I've done better off when I've had fiber and then I've like shut down when I've had fiber. Right, so, right. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm just uh, so. All right. Here, I shouldn't <laughs> say this to people because I don't want anybody to know the truth, but there's a Metamucil. You want the OG Metamucil with sugar, but no flavor. It's like, it works so much better than like the orange stuff that they make or like the flavored stuff. It is not easy to learn how to drink the first couple of times. It's tough, no. you know, cause you're basically somebody basically took dried weeds and put it in a glass of water <laughs> and it liquefied long enough for you to get it down. Like seriously, if you put the, the stuff I use in water, mix it up and don't knock it back immediately. If you wait 30 seconds or a minute, it starts to gel, like gel and, and like, you know, it starts, yeah. it starts to take shape. Like, so you need to get it in quick, quick. <laughs> um, yeah, if you don't want to be eating it with a spoon, but Oh God, that <laughs> just turned my stomach. Um, I can't believe that's the first thing that made me nauseous in this conversation, but uh, it's only because I know what it looks like, I guess. But like when you go to the stuff, like even the orange stuff, it's different. Like it just isn't as good. It, it just, and you can't buy it anywhere right now. I did not know there was a shortage and, on that. And I'm saying, I know COVID and all, and you know, we, we, a bunch of people went home and didn't come back to their jobs and stuff like that. Like that, I understand, but I'm telling you like something like that for there to be a shortage says to me that a lot of people buy it. Well, evidently so, or unless, yeah. unless they're having a shortage making it. Yeah. But still, yeah. You know what I mean? Like how much, yeah. how many people have to buy Metamucil before you can't find Metamucil? And I'm talking about like legit, right. like, like, you know, like they're selling it on like eBay. Like it's like the black market. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wouldn't lie about something like this. I have no reason. To. <laughs> um, yeah. You got to like, I'm, I'm going to tell you that you can get a big jug of it for 19 bucks usually. And I just usually order it from, you know, the guy that made the books, Jeff Bezos, right? I usually just get yeah. it from him. Does everybody <laughs> remember that Amazon started as a bookstore? Anyway. No, I didn't run, I didn't know that. Are you serious? No. What do I know everything? This is why the podcast is fantastic. Jeff Bezo Bezos, 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 who cares? I don't really care. Um, he, he started Amazon as a bookstore. The first thing Amazon killed was like Barnes & Noble. Really? Yeah. And now it's a place I get Metamucil and other things. <laughs> like when I need a microphone, I just go on, you know what I mean? Like 
what am I going to do? So, right. so you, you go on there on there. Oh my God. What am I? 57,000 years old. You go on there, the internet, the thing I went on the box and I told it. <laughs> Amazon. I almost had water come out my nose when you just did that. Um, listen, water comes out all your holes, so let's not be, <laughs> let's not be surprised by that, Grace. Um, so, you know, just now I thought, I am funny. You are funny. <laughs> uh, um, I don't even know if I'm funny. I just think my brain's working too quickly. So anyway, this, this Metamucil unflavored, like, with sugar, you can't even find a listing for it right now. And, it, and I know it's it's coarse with sugar, unflavored. That's the one that legit works, right? Like you put it in and the next time you go to the bathroom, these um, beautiful little poos, let's call them nerds, okay? Or turds or whatever you want to call them. They have a glistening sheath across them as if God ex- wanted them to come out of your butt, right? And you just wait till you go, you wait till your body says, I have to go to the bathroom. You go, okay, body. And then you walk over to the bathroom, you seat yourself, and then this is what happens. Boom, 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 boom. It's out. It's over. That's it. Takes two seconds. I'm going to tell you right now, I've never done this. I promise you. But I'm not 100% sure you have to wipe when it's over. Like, that's how well it goes, right? They just come, like, flying out. They're self-contained. It almost looks like somebody packaged them for you so they could come out. Um, absolutely legit. It, it's amazing. Well, if if, it, if I can find it, maybe I'll. You'll never like, find it because oh, people have it. bought it up completely. You can't, the black market Metamucil. But there's a all right. I finally found like the picture of it on the Amazon. I've been talking the whole time so that I could find the picture. So everything I just said, I was making up while I was googling, and there's no ability to purchase it right now no price on it my wife that's a trip in, in, in trying to prove that she she loves me because we've been married a long time so i can't be certain you know what i mean right i know i know <laughs> she might just be here because like the bills get paid and she's like yeah it's easy you know but um but she has a uh a, like a thing set up on her phone every time it comes back into stock she jumps on and buys me one we are now overpaying for it by a hundred percent to get it oh <gasps> And that's something. 28 ounces used to be $19. Now 28 ounces is $40. And until you've pooed with it and pooed without it, you're not going to know how valuable it is. Like she, I'm very cheap, Grace. I think that comes across on the podcast. Like I'm incredibly, like I hate spending money in a way that's hard to put into words. Um, You know, like I'm wearing a t-shirt now that I think is from the seventies. And so, um, (laughs) She gets in bed the other night. She goes, I found uh, a Metamucil for you. I ordered it. I was like, oh, she goes, it's the only one. I got an alert. And I jumped right on him. And she, I was like, thank you. When will it be here? And she told me the date. And then we, you know, kind of went back to our business. And then she goes, you didn't ask how much it costs. And I said, oh, I don't care. Oh. Yeah. But I was like, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't care what you paid for it. Like if you, <laughs> if you sold one of the children to get it, I mean, maybe I'd start getting concerned right around there. <laughs> But if you could have got a case for it for like Arden, I would have made the swap easily. It just, you know, like it's that it became that important in my life. And I don't know what's up with my system, you know, or how I eat or how I don't eat or whatever. I mean, let me be honest. I had a vegetable once in the 80s. Okay. Right. (laughs) So um, I don't eat a lot of vegetables. And I realize I could, you know, I could probably help that um you know that way but i i don't have it in me i'm like a 12 year old i eat like a child so 
I don't, I don't want, I don't want your damn vegetables. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know why. I'm unstable. I'll admit it. Like I have a real, I'm, a, I'm a, literally a child in my mind. I don't like the way vegetables feel in my mouth. Yeah, I heard you say that. Before. I'm not kidding about it, Grace. I didn't just say it to be funny. A green bean makes you feel like you've just grabbed my uvula and like you're pulling on it. You're like vomit, vomit now, vomit. And it's a green bean, you know. So, I mean, uh, I can cook them. I'm happy to make them for people. I'm not bothered by them. I don't care about the smell. The minute I go in my mouth, I'm like, uh. Then I make the noise that I assume you make when you work. <laughs> Probably. Didn't Mike or somebody try to talk you into uh, um, yeah, and then, you know, he did. Brussels sprouts yeah. or something? And then he didn't send me the recipe. Oh. You know where he's at right gonna... now? He's on a, he's taking. He's in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. He went down to Texas. He's driving around to hit the top 50 barbecue joints in Texas. I know. I saw that like last night. I was like, isn't that a trip? He better get some Brussels sprouts too, or he ain't going to be able to go to the bathroom either. (laughs) Um, This is what the podcast has come to. We're now shouting people out directly. Just one person at a time. But no, seriously, what I'm trying to say is I know how important it is to go to the bathroom. I clearly don't have any of your problems. And just the loss of Metamucil in my life, like, I mean, you should have saw me. I was in, like, I was in the kitchen. And I was like, oh, I'm out of Metamucil. Uh, I didn't know that happened. And, I, you know, I've only got a couple more spoonfuls left. And I just like, you know, like a spoiled person, I just pull out my Amazon app and I go to order it. And it's like, they don't have it. And I'm like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. No, no, that's, that's yeah. got to be wrong. And then I just drove immediately to Walgreens and then to CVS and then to Rite Aid. And then I just started driving down the street to different and I it nowhere. Just that's nowhere. a trip, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a trip. Tripping me right up on the toilet. That's what it's doing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just that I know how important it can be. And I don't have all the medical problems you're talking about. So I have a really hard time even imagining what's happening to you. It sounds terrible. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, it's a sad story. Like, it's hor- it, it's 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 a horrible way to live. I mean, it's better now. And thankfully, I found stuff that helped out. But, you know. It- yeah, good for you. Well, well, way to fight for yourself because you could have given up a number of different times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? Um, I don't really I don't really think so. I think that we kind of covered everything and probably more that I even intended to cover. Right. <laughs> well, listen, you should be covering those people's butts. And so, <laughs> but, hey, they're covered. They got a lovely drape. It's it's um, sky blue. Is that disposable? That's right. Oh, abs- everything's, everything's disposable. disposable. I got gotcha. you. Could you imagine if that stuff, I could think back in the day that it, they used to have to like autoclave it, like dental instruments I'm and sure. stuff, because everything had to be sterilized right before it was plastic. Yeah. No, I'm saying. Disposable. Like, like I ain't putting like some <laughs> secondhand tube in my butt. Right. That seems wrong. <laughs> Did you clean? I remember getting a tattoo and I was like, you cleaned that, right? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm looking at him I'm like, he looks high. Like, do I trust this guy? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of them look like that. Uh, I'll tell you, beautiful tattoo. But, you know, she drank vodka through the entire thing. And there's a moment where you're like, I'm making a poor decision right now. I know I am. <laughs> right. Exactly. A permanent one or oh semi-permanent, I guess. You know, the only thing um, I really, I thought this was great. The only, I'm a little disappointed. You were getting ready to talk about how terrific I was and I cut you off and now I'm regretting that part. 
Uh, well, could, well, you are terrific. Uh, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I, just <wanted> to... <laughs> I, I can expand on it. I don't know. You're really you're you're a joy online. So thank you. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, no kidding. You really you add something to the to the site that's uh, it's hard to put into words. But there there are people that come to mind when I think about that that are um, and you're one of them. So. I, I, you have great enthusiasm. Like you'll like, like you'll post something in the middle of the night. It's like a, a five-year-old episode. You're like, this episode's so good. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all so good. I just, I don't know. They, they get me excited and they keep me. I'm glad. They keep me wanting to keep, I mean, I want to go for it anyways, because I want to be healthy and I'm 58. And if there's complications, I don't like have time to play around. Right. And, yeah. uh, but it's, it's wonderful. How did you? I love it. I appreciate that. How did you think this episode went? Do you think somebody will like this one? Well, somebody out there might. You know, you never know because it's such a private thing. Yeah. You know, you know, you never know who's dealing with what. So I just figured I'd put it out there and say a couple of things that help me in case somebody else is suffering because it's a real quiet thing. It's it's like such a private thing. Like even for my business, to get somebody to put a review up. Like to even give it a five star, nobody, I mean, unless they're like, you know, like this is their health thing in life or whatever, you know, like they're like super clean, healthy eater, da, da, da. You know, I do this just because, Right. but for people that are sick and stuff, they don't even want to click like a five star button or whatever, because they don't want their name associated with the fact that they had this done. Yeah. Like they don't want anybody to know. I hadn't considered that, but I have to tell you as a person mm-hmm. who, um, who has a podcast with like, you know, four and a half million downloads and <laughs> only a thousand reviews, but, but in email, in private emails, like there are people who will say this and you should question all of them. You should question me when I say it too. But I mean, I hear from 10 people a day and at some point in hearing from them, the, the concept of you've saved my life comes up in like some wording or another Mm-hmm. And I can't, and, and it took me seven years to get a thousand reviews for my podcast. Really? Yeah. It's not something. So it's hard for people to do in general is what I'm saying. Like, forget that it's about, they can't poo. You, you know what I mean? And I'm now, you're making me wonder how many people don't want people to know that they have diabetes and won't. Well, I don't know that it's that Scott, because it's like, you know, twice a day I hear, you know, on the podcast and you know, leave a review, whatever. Right. It took me a year. I didn't find out till last week how to leave a review on iTunes. Yeah. It's, and, and nobody like even calls I, it iTunes anymore. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's why I, I got it. And I was like, I got an Apple phone because it works better with all the, you know, the Omnipod and the decks and all of that. And I was like, it also works better with iTunes because you can't get on iTunes with an Android. Right. right. And so I, I got on there and I'm like, well, where's iTunes? Like there's a place for it, you know, and I put in the podcast and it just came up like on an Apple app. And I was like, now I'm all confused. I don't know how to leave a review. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So on an, on an iPhone, you just, oh, people problems. I was going to say, you sound like you're a thousand years old right now. <laughs> I know. Just stop touching the buttons and listen to me, grandma. Okay. So you, <laughs> you, um, it's Apple podcast is the native app that's on iPhones. Yeah, it's a real good app and it's a solid way to listen to a podcast. So you open that up and search for the show and follow the show. They used to call it subscribe. It also doesn't help that they change the wording all the time. It used to be subscribe, I know. subscribe. Now it's follow and you follow the show. And then I think you scroll down and you can rate it. But like, yeah, I just yeah, I just finally found that. 
Yeah, and and it's fine. Like, look, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, if you don't like the show, I mean, don't rate it, please. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I mean, and that would be weird. I mean, there's plenty of things that I've tried that I don't like, and I don't spend time running around making sure people know I didn't like it. it I think that's a specifically strange decision to make but whatever you know it's fine um i always just say to people like if you like the show and you can say something about it that you think will help other people want to listen so that they can you know have the same experience like leave a review and you know and then the truth is is that i have then i get to use the reviews as like social media posts and you know because i mean or or the other benefit is when people go to the app and they're trying to make that decision like should i listen to this they're going to scroll and look at the reviews you know, so I'm really shocked that you said you have what around a thousand. Yeah. That shocks me. It, it, well, so it, low. it's it's not that easy to like. I, actually, it's a really big number. Like I'm proud of it. It's just it's hard to get people to like even like as an example, right? The um, uh, what can I say as an example here? Oh, okay, all right. Uh, T one D exchange. It's a great example, right? There's this mm-hmm. short survey if you're from the u.s and you have type one you're from the u.s and you're the caregiver of someone from type one you can take this survey in less than 10 minutes that really is beneficial for people living with type one diabetes and it'll help the show like like no like i like let me just be clear i will get money if you complete the survey right and right. people are always like the, oh, the podcast is so valuable so i mention it and i have to generate four clicks to that link just to get one person to finish the survey And so, and that's a good number. Like if you talk to people who do that kind of business, one in four, like, like a one in four completion rate is, is insane. It's a really great number, but that's how hard it is to get people to do things. And I understand it too. I mean, there's things I supposed to do yesterday. I didn't do either. Like I'm not coming down on people for it. I'm just saying it's the nature of, of the situation. So you, you, you having trouble getting a review, I think is normal and then compounded by like you said that people probably don't want to be associated with it right you know that's a private thing <laughs> which is a shame a little bit too it's the same reason i have so much trouble getting type 2 diabetics on the show i think the type twos are not very public about diabetes it's interesting if you think about it like there's a vibrant community around type 1 diabetes but it doesn't exist around type two. And those people it could does, help each other so easily, but you can't get them to talk. It doesn't exist. And I made a post about this one time, but I feel like it doesn't exist around type two because there's such, how do I put this? There's such an emphasis on, there's a negative connotation that they brought it on themselves. Yeah. And that, even if the people don't internalize it kind of as shameful or whatever, it's like it's put on them. And like, for me, something happened to my beta cells a long time ago mm-hmm. and, you know, over time. And I see that a lot of times that that's where it starts for type twos is that there's some kind of beta cell issue that they're not functioning normally or whatever. And everybody just, like puts it on it that it's your fault. You got diabetes because you ate a Snickers bar. You got diabetes because you gained whatever amount of weight or there's something physically going on inside the body. Right. You know, and it's a shame because you're right, because I'm guessing that the fear is that people are going to think I did this to myself. 
I'm a slob. I'm, you know, they're going to think I'm overweight. They're going to think all the things that people think when you hear type two diabetes, right? Like the things that people that pop into people's minds. I'm not saying that they're right. I'm just saying that that's yes. what happens. And you don't want to be associated with that. And so you keep it to yourself. Right. And, and but the problem is, is that by keeping it to yourself, you don't let the information get out that could help you really manage better, live better, avoid things that you're dealing with now, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, well, the other part of that though, is that we're not taught any type of management. We're not taught how to make it better other than go home and eat right. Like I wasn't allowed to test my blood sugar. So they would give me enough strips for one time a day. I could test. And you weren't allowed to test more than that. And I had to fight with my insurance to be able to be test to be able to test four times a day. If you're testing one time a day, you don't know what's going on with you. You don't know how to manage anything. Nobody talks about CGMs. I mean, that's just now becoming a thing for type two is like being aware of what's going on. Like we weren't allowed access to our bodies to know what is going on. So yeah. how are we supposed to do anything about it? And to that end, I have a friend that is um, a patient of the VA mm -hmm. and he's a type two. He is only permitted to test with one strip one time a week. And that's how they manage type two. Mm. I, I, yeah. He's in the eights. That's terrible. Um, it does sometimes strike me that the like just what you just said like the biggest obstacle with helping people with type 2 diabetes is is that if they have a an eating you know schedule for their life that's that's not valuable for their health just saying to somebody eat better and get out of here like if they could just eat better magically i think they would have done it on their own already they wouldn't have waited to have diabetes you, you know what i mean like so if that's really the person's problem like right it, it, and you just saying it to them doesn't fix, it doesn't matter if it's even the eating, like no matter what it is that like, people have built up. Um, I don't know what to call it. Like there's, there's just a way their life works, right? It's a rhythm. It's how it goes. Maybe they have trouble separating themselves from sugar or whatever. They're, they're, you know, they can't stop smoking. Like, you know what I mean? Like any, right. you know what I mean? Like looking at a smoker and just going, Hey, you're going to get lung cancer. Stop smoking. Well, they go right. home and they go, oh, I don't have lung cancer yet. So right. maybe it won't happen and I'm not going to stop smoking. And then they'll get lung cancer and they'll go, oh, well, I already have lung cancer. I might as well keep smoking. Like it's a, it, it's the way people's minds tend to work. And then the medical community knowing full well, you're not going to stop smoking when they tell you to says stop smoking. And then that they act like that absolves them. You right. know what I mean? Like, well, I've done my part. I told the guy not to smoke. Well, yeah, well, everyone knows not to smoke, man. Like, come right. on. You know, it doesn't help anybody, you know? I wonder right. if I wonder if the thing that doesn't help type ones is that the immediacy of a bad outcome exists. It's not right. it's not take care of your type one diabetes or maybe you'll get lung cancer or maybe your type two diabetes will progress to blah, blah, blah. It's, hey, you're going to take care of this right now or three days from now you're going to be in a coma. And right. yeah, maybe that's the only thing that 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 pushes people past their human I don't know. Right. And it begs the question for the type twos, Binks, they don't, they tend not to test for them extensively. You're not allowed to see, you're not allowed to see a picture of what's going on like you are with type one. Yeah. So you're not allowed to see what's going on with your blood sugar. You're not allowed to see any trends. It's just, you know, pop in here twice a year and we'll tell you 
quote unquote, if you're good or bad and not all type twos are overweight and not all type twos eat like crap. And so it's like, how many type twos are misdiagnosed and it, you know, we see this all the time in the type one community because they're not allowed to even see what's going on with them in any way, shape or form, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they're blamed for it. I completely agree. You are making Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. I, um, I I can't say enough. I, I think you're terrific. I, um, I appreciate you having this long winding and confusing odd (laughs) conversation with me. Um, I, have no, I've never once thought of having hydrotherapy, but now I'm like, I would probably try it once just to try it, just to see what's up and see what happens. Look at you. Well, see what comes out, right? <laughs> I also, and, yeah, and you can't see it too. Yeah. I also, I think, I think a lot recently about like my, my gut biome, you know, and if I shouldn't, like, we just had it tested for our kids and they're both taking like, supplements right now to adjust their their gut health like each of them had a different kind of thing isn't that something yeah so they're taking it now i don't know enough about it yet to speak about it you know thoughtfully on here yet but um arden is taking something right now that literally is like i think it's smashed up poo in a caplet (laughs) (laughs) and um and she's like she's so funny she's just like uh she said in the jar when they're all when all the all the capsules are together. It, let me just be clear, Grace. It smells like, shit. <laughs> okay. oh, well, there you go. <laughs> but when you take one out, it just smells <laughs> like, she goes, you know, it's funny together. They smell like, shit. but when you just get one of them, it just smells like bad cheese. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, I just like, <laughs> I just like took a breath when you said bad cheese. I was like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. she's like, I can get that down. No problem. And that she takes no trouble at all. And she only has to do it for like 60 days or something like that to try to make a, a change. Like, like we're trying to figure out if she has like leaky gut, like she has acne that we can't impact for some reason. Right. Right. And, um, and, and we did this through Addie, through Dr. Benito. She sent out their samples, getting the kids to get, uh, stool samples was hilarious. And, um, I bet it was. Yeah. They weren't, they weren't excited to do that. <laughs> Nobody's excited to do that. That's funny. Um, So they did that. And then they both got their reports back. Cole's was, Cole's, I think there's like two things. Cole's like, you know, popping once a day and Arden's taking three. And that's, that's it. So we're going to try it for 60 days and see if things that they've had complaints about in the past um, clear up. It's worth a shot. That's fascinating. I'd like to hear the results of that. She's, um, that doctor is just. She's really Amazing. cool. I think I'm going to do it myself so that I can talk about it on the podcast better. Right. You know, cause then, I, cause I know how my body works. So I'll be able to thoughtfully say like, this is what was happening before I did this thing. Here's what they told me. I did the treatment. Here's what happened afterwards, whether something worked or not. Um, right. So I think I'm going to do it like next year, like in the, in the new year, not around Christmas. I don't poop on cardboard at Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wouldn't be. It's a hard. And fast it would be rule. the most festive thing to do. Yeah, it's a hard and fast rule for me, Grace. <laughs> all. all right. Well, I really appreciate you doing this. I, I thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. A huge thanks to InPen from Medtronic Diabetes and Dexcom for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox Podcast. 
Don't forget that you can go to InPenToday.com to check out the InPen and Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox to see about that free 10-day trial of the Dexcom G6. Ooh, what if you're eligible? Go looky, looky. I also want to remind you to go to T1DExchange.org forward slash Juicebox. Take the survey. And of course, I want to thank Grace for sharing her story. And if you wait till after the music, I'm going to tell you what Grace has learned about her health. Head over to the place where I met Grace, the Juicebox Podcast Facebook page, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. Okay, here's my update from Grace. I want to thank Isabel, who also helps me with the Facebook page. She got this information for me from Grace yesterday because I was not feeling well and I wasn't up to it. As of last week, Grace's diagnosis of gastroparesis, endometriosis, abdominal adhesions all stand. A new addition last month, she has EPI, exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, and this is the big one. I would do a little drum roll here, but I got to be honest with you, it's very late and I'm not up for it. Grace's type 2 diagnosis has been changed to type 1 diabetes. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast.